If the rest of you will open to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, and we'll look at the first six verses this morning. Matthew chapter 3. Now those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness... Make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Heavenly Father, continue to speak to us in this service. Indeed, break our hearts for what breaks yours. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Preparation and expectation. You, as I stated earlier, we have 24 more days of shopping until Christmas. But don't worry, you can shop anytime, anywhere, just by one click of a button. You can shop day or night. You just have to wait for the packages to arrive at your house or in the mail. According to the Washington Post, UPS is going to ship an estimated 750 million packages this holiday season. They do all the work. All you have to do is point and click. Now, if you have friends and family who enjoy getting things uh, throughout the year as a Christmas present, Here's an idea. For $50 a month, there's a thing called Bacon of the Month Club. And for every month, you get two pounds of artisan bacon delivered to that house. But if bacon's not your thing, that's okay. There's Pickle of the Month Club. Every month, you'll get a big jar of pickles sent to your house. Or, how about this one? I'm not making this up. Look this up afterwards. PB&J. Imagine the excitement of your family and your friends running to the mailbox to see if their gourmet peanut butter and jelly sandwich has come in the mail. Oh, come on, work with me. Now, would you just be full of expectation? I wonder if my sandwich came today. (laughs) Christmas is certainly a time of waiting and expectation. And you can feel the expectations start to build as we look into our schools and kids are getting antsy about the day, approaching people running around. And as I thought about that, as I prepared this much, as I thought about how much of our lives are spent in preparation, uh, as we prepare and wait, only a fraction of our lives are filled with actual experience and celebration. For example, Thanksgiving. How many had a great Thanksgiving meal? How long did it take to prepare that meal versus how long did it take to consume that meal? (laughs) All day versus an hour. Perfect illustration. We took all that time to prepare the turkey, the dressing, the stuffing, uh, cranberry sauce, ham, whatever else you had, the pecan pie, pumpkin pie, ice cream, all that. You had to have it just right. And all of a sudden, you sit down, everybody comes in, whoom, and they're gone an hour ago. Like, all that work for an hour. Then we all rush into the living room, we turn on football, and we fall asleep. I think having a nap somewhere in there is everybody's experience. 
But it's true. And we should not be surprised that our lives are filled with much preparation and expectation. You know, a lot of times it's the expectation and waiting and preparing that's really the point. Now, bear with me for a second. We spend so much time preparing. See, I think our lives here on earth should be lived out in preparation to when we meet Jesus face to face one day. We should have that expectation. Now, as we look back at the prophets, they knew that Jesus was going to come. Didn't know when or exactly how, but they had that expectation that was going to happen when the Messiah would come to save them. And the prophets looked and longed for His coming. For example, in Micah 5, 2, says, But as for you, Bethlehem, too little among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth from for me to be ruler in Israel, as going forth or from long ago, from the days of eternity, or ancient of days, which is another title for Christ. As the prophets waited for the Messiah's coming, we need to wait and prepare for His second coming. A lot of times you hear this word this time of year, Advent. That's just a word that means coming. We have four weeks to prepare for His first coming. We look back to His first coming, but... In light of his first coming, what should we be expecting somewhere in the future, sometime soon? What is it? His second coming. And so, as we look at John, I hope the the Holy Spirit will steer you up with this expectation that this Christmas won't be just the same old thing. You'll see it differently and expect things to be different. We need to prepare our hearts to receive him as we anticipate the day... When he comes. Now, there's two things I've told you before. Well, a lot of things we have no control of, but at least two things. Number one, we do not know when Jesus is coming again. Jesus himself said he didn't know. The angels don't know. Only God the Father knows that point in time. But here's another thing. None of us know when we're going to physically die off this earth, when this body's going to give out. Just because I'm younger than you doesn't mean necessarily I have more time. So every day that we live, every hour that goes by, every breath that we breathe in, we are one step closer to that moment in time. Preparation begins with repentance, and we see that in verses 1 and 2. And Matthew introduces John from what he's doing. He's baptizing people now. We have the term Baptist in our name, Forestburg Baptist Church. We don't trace our roots back to John the Baptist. Where that term come from, they used to have uh, baptism for infants and things. And what that term comes to for us is that we believe in a believer's baptism. You have to understand what you're doing. And so uh, they would name us Baptist as a derogatory term back in the Reformation, uh, we, we trace our roots back to Anabaptist, which means rebaptized. And what they would do with people, you want to be rebaptized, they would tie them up, cut their tongue out, and throw them in the river. That's what their idea. But that's where we come from. That's where we have Baptists. So when you see that word Baptist, I hope you don't think of a bad uh, business meeting, but you should, hey, they believe in believer's baptism, which is one of the big things that we hold dear as Baptists. That's the reason we have the term Baptist. So there's John. 
And he's preaching. What's he preaching? By that word, that, that word that translated uh, preaching is literally one who speaks as a herald. So John is proclaiming God's message as a prophetic spokesman. And he is doing so in the wilderness or the desert of Judea, which is about south of Jerusalem. Now, that kind of brings back pictures of the airless Israel's wanderings in the desert. After they came out of Egypt, they rebelled against God and they had to wander about. In the... So here's a prophet, someone like Moses shows up to the scene. And now they say, hmm, this brings back memories of God's going to rescue us. Just like he rescued our ancestors way back then when he... Joshua came up after Moses and led them into the promised land. Can you see the expectations starting to build with the people? Now, repentance is a Greek, the Greek word traditionally implied a change of mind or attitude. But it's more than that. It's a sense of change in action as well. To change their way of life as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. The best way, dearly beloved, we can prepare for Christ's coming, his second coming. The best way we can prepare to meet with Jesus is to repent. We don't see too much of that today, though, do we? We don't see much preached about repentance. We have to repent, turn from ways. We have to change our approach, change our attitude. Uh, there's a guy named Harvey who went to the hardware store and he wanted to buy a chainsaw. And he told the person behind the counter, I want a chainsaw that I can cut down 10 trees an hour. And the salesman said, fine, I have this model right here. He, he checked him out, gave him the manual. The guy went on his way. But later on that day, he came back and he says, there's something wrong with this saw. And the salesman, well, what's wrong? He goes, man, I only got... I only cut down one tree, and it took me five hours to do it. He goes, let me see the saw. So he takes it out of the case, you know, he looks at it. It has fuel in it. He perks it up. And the guy goes, what's that noise? He had to change his approach. Get the picture? We need to see stuff the way God sees it. We need to look at ourselves as God sees us and uh, in Sunday school class, I didn't share this with the class, but it, it dawned on me. So oftentimes I, I can fall into the trap and say, well, if they would just do that, if they would just do that, if they would just do that. And I could be talking about politicians. I could be talking about other people, whoever the they is. And it hit me like a tongue of bricks. And it's like God in, in my heart said, Tim, if you want things to change, it has to start with you. Look at yourself, see yourself the way I see you, Tim. I love you. You're my son. I've called you to preach my word, but, you know, there's some sin over here we need to deal with. And before I can be effective reaching out to other people, I have to clean my own house. We have to look differently. And I hope this holiday season gives you an opportunity to consider your approach. Is this Christmas going to be like all the rest? Is it going to be hurried, rushed, stressful, overwhelming? Or will you take the cue from the prophets of old who are waiting and preparing for his arrival?
will you allow the season to be one of reflection, adoration, and repentance? And there is no better footing to be on the way, on the road to Jesus than humility. The understanding that you need him and you repent. Psalm 51.17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. So first thing. When we prepare, we have to let God search our hearts and our souls and prepare by repenting of those things he brings to us. The next one in verses 3 and 4, preparation increases expectation. Look at the, look at the text there. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Has come near, literally, that's what it means. And the Greek is a perfect tense, points to the present, the decisive moment of the kingdom's arrival. So I want you to understand something. The kingdom of God has already come. The kingdom of God is literally right here, right now. Now, it hasn't been fully uh, seen yet because Jesus has come back. But the, like I like to use the word, the invasion has already happened. God took on human flesh and stepped into human history. And now he's reclaiming his creation one life at a time. And that should excite us. The kingdom of God is not out here somewhere way out in the future. The kingdom of God is here now. It's among us, living in the believers by the Holy Spirit that dwells in our hearts and in our lives. It is here. Now, the Jewish thought of the day, though highly diverse, equated the arrival with the completion of God's plans for his people in a physical, visible way, being materially prosperous and having a geopolitical entity. But the kingdom is not currently a geographical entity. It man itself in the community God has set up the church, the kingdom of God. We represent that kingdom. Think about this. If There's been a lot of talk on the news uh, lately about in our politics with the ambassadors. When you're the ambassador to NATO or the ambassador to England, and you speak, you speak on behalf of the United States of America. You can't say anything without getting permission from the president. He, you know, he wants to guide what you're saying. But you represent all the power, all the people, all the prestige, everything that comes from the United States. You represent that. Likewise, if you're a believer this morning, you represent the kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom that will last forever. And we can't say nothing without checking with our king. Who's that? That'd be Christ and God. And we go forth and when we stand, we represent that. What an awesome privilege, but at the same time, what an awesome responsibility We need to be about God's kingdom here on earth. We need to be about his work and not our own. To declare the kingdom is is at hand is that decisive establishment or manifestation of the divine sovereignty has drawn so near to men that they're now confronted with the possibility and the unavoidable necessity of repentance and conversion. It's the idea that people become a new creation, a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away. New things have, have begun. 
When you come to Christ, everything, you're now a new creation. Things start over for you. And now instead of running against the things of God, now you start running towards God, embracing the things of God. You want to see our country changed. You want to see Forsberg community change. You give people the gospel and let the gospel change them. It happens time and time again. And we should live with this expectation. It's going to happen. This might be the day. You guys don't look to it. I mean, can you think about it? Right now, it's about 20 till. Five minutes from now, the, the, the trumpet may blow and that be it. Are you excited about that? Okay. But this Christmas, this Christmas, this tree, this presence, all the symbolism that goes with that tree, we know that he came the first time. It was prophesied time and time again. They knew they were going to be rescued. And we should live in that same great expectation. And he says, this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet. He is quoting Isaiah 43. Now, if you look at that passage in context of Isaiah chapter 40 through 66, the prophecy depicts part of Israel in time restoration. Therefore, John is preaching, proclaiming, and heralding the beginning of the full restoration and blessing of God's people. This would raise their expectation even more. John is proclaiming this guy is going to set us right. He's going to restore us. Now, they thought it would be an earthly kingdom. But the expectations started. Why do you think everybody came out the wilderness to hear what John had to say? So much excitement going on and expectation building. And just as the roads were often repaired in preparation for royalty that might come down them, he said, prepare them for the Messiah is coming. Prepare to rebuild highways of holiness, to return to moral living and preparation for God's coming in Jesus. That's what he's talking about. And look, and only that, he raises even higher because he describes what he looks, what he's wearing. A garment of camel's hair, a leather belt. He was eating locusts and wild honey. Sounds like Elijah that we read about in 2 Kings 1.8. This is stuff what the people live for. And John is saying, he's coming. And they get wrapped up in that expectation. Well, I have to prepare, man. I need to repent. I need to get ready because he's coming. Where is that excitement in our churches today? The rhythm man says there's a storm coming and people run to Walmart and freak out and buy everything. A preacher says Jesus Christ is coming. Everybody sits there and looks at him like nothing. Just saying. We need, oh, please understand, we need to take, we need to take the holiday season and take it back and say, no, it's not about anticipating the sales of stuff we can buy and the good deals. It's about the Messiah who came and rescued us. And he's coming back to take us home. We're not here by ourselves. It's not all there is. There's all eternity. We have to prepare. We have to be ready because he can come any time. Preparation, lastly, brings fruit. Verses 5 and 6. People from all over the place are coming to hear Him. The crowds who came and repented made their public their change of heart. 
by acknowledging their failures to meet God's standards, to by, by resolving to change their ways, and they visibly demonstrate it by baptism. Now, baptism does not save you in by itself. Without faith, it does nothing. Baptism is a symbol. It's a public confession that now I don't live for myself. I can't do anymore. I die to myself. And I'm raised by the power of Christ to walk a new life. That's what baptism is. And notice, this is different now when John was proclaiming this because a lot of times they would look to their ancestry to see, hey, I'm the... I'm the son of this or daughter of that, that way I'm saved. See, it doesn't matter what your parents did or said. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. Your faith has to be your own. You have to make that decision. Your parents' religious affiliations afford no substitute. It's also been said that God has no grandchildren. You... The hardest thing for me as as a as a father was to raise my girls the best I could, but it had to be their choice. You follow? They're the ones that had to make the choice. I pray, I help, but at the end of the day, it's on them. How do you know if you're preparing for Christ's arrival? Are you bearing fruit? Now, this is not a test to see whether or not you're saved, because Romans 10, 9 tells us, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The test for the heart, are we active in preparing to meet Jesus? Is there fruit in our lives? We need to repent of complacency and something in our men's breakfast and Bible study, just apathy. Guys, I'm going to let something out of the bag we studied about. The first thing we learned about in our Bible study, and it bears in this sermon right now, is that if you go back to Adam and Eve, when Eve was tempted, where was Adam? Apparently he was right there because as soon as she did it, she turned to him. That's our biggest problem. We were standing right there when the whole thing went down and we didn't do anything. Just pure apathy. They call us the silent majority in political circles because we're, we've been so apathetic for so long. And we need to stand up for the truth of God. Stand up for what is right according to Him. We need to draw near to Christ in expectancy. Live out our faith and bear fruit and get prepared. The prophets, the promise they cling to that they would be rescued. See, our preparation is not salvation because you know what? Let me me show this. You ever seen that movie Captain Phillips with Tom Hanks? It's a true story about that guy who was taken by some uh, Somalia pirates, the big cargo ship, and... uh, Anyway, he gets his crew off, and he's going to let them go on a lifeboat, but they, yank, they pull him in at the last minute, the lifeboat goes off. And now Tom Hanks is sitting in his lifeboat with these pirates. They're going to take him back. Hopefully you get some money for him. 
and you can see the look of dread on, this, on, on the character that Tom Pinks is, is, is playing and what's going to happen. He's out the sea, out in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden you hear a horn and flood flights of a destroyer from the U.S. Navy called the Bainbridge. And you almost see his, his demeanor change because he knew, aha, I'm going to be rescued by the United States Navy. And those destroyers, don't, those guided missile destroyers, don't, <laughs> they don't play around, but he's not getting rescued. And the reason I share that with you now, when you look back at that manger scene, you're seeing a mission of rescue. He came to rescue us from our sin and from our shame and from death. That has been taken care of. He has rescued us. Now he's coming in to take us home to be with him and the Father forever. That manger is a rescue mission. And the one who came to save us was not some outgun, outclass, or hopeless underdog. But the one that came to save us was Emmanuel. God with us. This holiday season, I'm not expecting or preparing to be stressed out or overwhelmed. I'm not expecting things to fall apart. I'm not preparing to be defeated. I am waiting, I'm waiting and expecting God to come through for you and me and for Jesus to be revealed in our lives. I am waiting with great expectation, knowing that he is preparing heaven, preparing me for heaven. And he is choosing way at the hardness of my heart. He has plans for you and me, and for this church. For His kingdom to advance, the lost to be found and the blind to see. For His love to be made known to the hurting and dying world through you and through me and through this body known as Forestburg Baptist Church. I am waiting with great expectation for Jesus to come and take His bride home, which is the church. That's the great expectation. Emmanuel, God with us, has come. We have been rescued. And through his rescue, we have been saved. Our best response is preparing great expectation. The realization of all that Jesus has accomplished when we see him face to face at his second coming. So what are you expecting this holiday season? What are you expecting? Are we preparing for the wrong thing? Where's the excitement at? It's beyond the lights and the decorations. It's about God stepping into human history to save us, to rescue us. Can you wrap your mind around that? It doesn't matter what you have done, where you've been. He can and will save you. But that's not just it, though, is it? He didn't step back and say, okay, Tim, you're on your own. He's coming back to get us. He is coming again. Are we preparing ourselves for that moment in time? That's an everyday thing. We get so wrapped up in all these temporal things that we lose sight of eternity. And it's coming. 
And to be honest with you, I'm going to conclude with this. I'm torn because there's part of me that's excited. I, I, I want to go. I, I want to I go to heaven and see God. Don't you? But I'm not so anxious to go right, right this minute. <laughs> All right? But I, 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 I want to see. I want to see the angels. I want to see people. I want to see that great multitude <laughs> made up of every nation, every tongue, every tribe. No gossip, no backbite, everything, perfect harmony, worshiping our God day in and day out, claiming out and repeating, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. But there's another part of me that dreads it because I know when he comes, that's going to be it. The time of mercy and grace will cease. And there's so many people that I know, some loved ones, that I'm not sure if they're ready. I, I, I just don't know. And that bothers me. Because if he comes again or if they're to pass away, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where they'll spend eternity. But before we even get to another person, my question to you do you know without a shadow of a doubt where you'll go? I'm not asking you if you're a member of this church. I'm not asking you if you had a if you've been baptized. I'm not asking I'm asking you simply, do you have a relationship to God the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son? Do you have that? And if you do, is your life bearing fruit and preparation? And preparation knowing that He's coming. Again, it should excite us. But at the same time, there's a oh, a little, almost like a a holy fear, a holy reverence about oh man, God shows up. And what would you do if God was to visibly manifest His presence right here? I mean, He's here, but if He was to physically manifest His presence right here. Right now, know what happened to all of us? We wouldn't be sitting on these pews. I guarantee you that. We'd be face down in the dirt. Lord, I'm not worthy. Lord, I'm not worthy. But it would be Jesus doing this. Say, hey, Jerry, I died for you. You accepted me. Come on, you're part of the family. Imagine what that's going to be like. Buy presents. Have a good time this holiday season. But have a bigger view in mind. Get excited about who Jesus is and what he can do and what he will do. Live in that expectation. Because you know what? We get all excited about these gifts, don't we? And we rip them open, we get it. Oh, okay. Sometimes we take the gifts back. There's only one true gift that will truly bring satisfaction and peace to your life. And that is Christ. It doesn't cost a thing. Our salvation costs him everything. But for us to receive it costs nothing. All you got to do is go to him and repent and say, dear Lord, I give it all to you. And you got it. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for today and I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the greatest gift ever given. That's your son. And I pray, this, dear God, this holiday season that we will live with great expectation and preparing for that day. And Father, as we plan out our daily activities, may we constantly be reminded about what's at stake all of eternity. And Father, you bring people on our paths every day. So many opportunities to share your love through a hug, through a kind word, through a kind deed, whatever it is, dear God. May our lives be prioritized by that truth that Jesus, you are coming again. May we look forward to it with great expectation and tell everybody we can about it and what they need to do and prepare to meet Jesus. But it starts with us, individuals. So, Father, search our hearts and search our minds this morning, and may we respond in obedience to the call you've placed on our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.